Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. If you got your Bibles this morning, why don't you grab them? Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Praise the Lord. There is a beautiful presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. And it is good to be in God's house this morning. Amen. Thank you for worshiping the Lord. I shouldn't have to thank you. I know that we should just come into this place worshiping God. But I kind of felt like today people came in and they were just like, right, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God today. I'm not going to let anything stop me. Amen. So that's the great attitude to have. I love that. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 5. I'm read a few verses this morning. We'll start from verse 21. Very familiar story. Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Verse 21. Say amen if you're there. Mark chapter 5 verse 21 says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Everyone say Jairus. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Verse 25, it says, And a certain woman, I'm going to say a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, I'll tell you what, aren't you glad you've heard of Jesus this morning? Aren't you glad someone said, let me tell you about Jesus? When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but the clothes, I shall be whole. Praise the Lord. I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on the intersection of faith and worship. The intersection of faith and worship. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. As you're sitting down, you might be seated next to someone or close to someone you don't know. Why don't you say hello to them? Shake their hands. Praise the Lord. Maybe step across the aisle. Amen. We want everyone to have a friend in God's house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In this passage of Scripture, we have here the collisions, or the collision rather, of two lives and two stories. You have Jarius, the uh, ruler of the people, and we have this woman with the issue of blood. Two lives, and yet Mark has seemingly collected them together. So have the other Gospels. This story is mentioned in every Gospel other than the Gospel of John. But it seems that as Jairus had come to Jesus to ask for help for his daughter, his daughter was sick, about 12 years old, and on the point of death, it, it seems that um, Jairus had come to Jesus, and, and Jesus had said, I will come. And then while Jairus and Jesus were walking to where Jairus' daughter lay sick and on the verge of death, first of all, there was a crowd that was around them, and and jostling and, and wanting to get in touch with Jesus and, 
and, and wanting something from the master, wanting something from the Savior. And in the middle of all of this, while this story of Jarius is going on, we come across the Bible calls her a certain woman. We don't know her name. She says a certain woman. And she wanted something from Jesus. She had a disease in her body. She wanted to be healed. And so she had come to see Jesus, and she crawled through the crowd to touch his garment. Amen. Both of these people, both Jarius and this woman, they were from the opposite ends of society. Jarius had a privileged upbringing. His position in society is evidence of that. He was a ruler of the people. People knew who Jarius was. They knew his name. I have no doubt that as Jarius came to see Jesus, there would have been people saying, look out, here comes Jarius. Let's make way. He's got to see Jesus. We don't read of Jairus having any difficulties getting to Jesus. He certainly didn't have to try and get through the crowds of people. He just was able to get to Jesus. Everybody knew what he did. He was a ruler in the synagogue. Jairus was someone who served God. Jairus was someone who knew God. People wanted to know Jairus. He was like one of these really popular people that people wanted to know. Everybody knew who Jairus was. But we contrast that this morning with a certain woman. It's interesting that the Bible calls her a certain woman because it was like she was known, but she was only known because of her affliction. Nobody knew her name. She was just that woman, that person, that, that lady that's got the problem. The only reason that people knew her was that they knew that she was the unclean one. She was the one that for 12 long years had no access to God. You see, while Jarius, as a ruler of the synagogue, could come into God's house and spend time in the presence of God, this woman was rejected. She was not allowed to enter into the temple. She had no access to God. Nobody wanted to know her. Nobody wanted to spend time with her. Why? Because she was unclean. And everything that she touched, everything she came into contact with, everything that was against her or with her became unclean as well and would lose access to God for a period of time. This is the law of Moses. And yet both of these people, someone who we would consider on the upper rungs of society, someone who has everything fixed out, figured out, and working well in their life, and someone who the Bible tells us had spent every penny that she had had trying to find a cure for her affliction. One of them had everything. The other one had nothing. One of them had their life sorted out. The other one was barely trying to scrape together a meal. And yet they had both realized that Jesus was the only one who could provide the answer that they needed. Church, hear me today. I want you to know that it does not matter what your upbringing is. It does not matter whether you know God or you don't know God or you think you know God. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter what kind of job you hold. It doesn't matter if you've got lots of friends. It doesn't matter if you've got no friends. It doesn't matter if you've got everything sorted out in your life or you've come here today feeling like your life is falling apart. Jesus knows your name. 
name. Jesus knows where you live. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. Jesus has an answer for you today. You have access to the creator of the universe. He can hear you. He wants to help you. And he is here for you today. Someone say praise the Lord. What we need to remember is that it is the ones who realize that they need Jesus the most who will see them operate in their life. The problem is, is that we get so caught up in this life and we feel like we've got our security organized and we've got things under control and money in the bank and a house on our roof, a roof over our head and, and all this stuff going on in our life and we begin to realize, no, I don't think I need Jesus. But all of a sudden you will reach a point in your life where you will come across a situation where you do not know which way to turn and you do not know who holds the answer. I am here today to tell you the answer is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you think you got it sorted. It doesn't matter if you're falling apart. Jesus can and will help his people today. Praise the Lord. They both displayed, both Jarius and this woman, displayed incredible faith by what they did. Yes, they came with a request, but there was something different about their approach to Jesus. You see, the ruler of the synagogue was humble enough to recognize that he needed to seek out Jesus. He would have heard the rumors. He would have known that this man was in opposition to what the priests were teaching. He would have known that he had done things that they didn't approve of. And yet he was willing to face rejection from his peers. To be able to go, I've got to save my daughter. And I don't know who else to turn to but Jesus. And so he went to Jesus. The woman was willing to push her way through a crowd to see Jesus. But I want you to notice something in the scripture here. You see, we all want things from Jesus. Every single one of us, we come in with, with things that we need from God and, and questions that we need answers and, and problems that are going on in our life and, and circumstances that we don't know the answer to. But I want you to notice something in the scripture here. The Bible says in verse 22 of Mark chapter 5, it says that Jarius, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And when we read on with the, the story of the woman with the issue of the blood here in verse 33, it says, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. Church, it is the ones who realize that they need Jesus the most that will see Him operate in their lives. And if we want to see Jesus operate in our life, we have to come with an attitude of worship. This idea of falling at the feet of Jesus was saying, I worship you, God. I need you, God. I don't know the answer. I don't know what to do. But if we can come to God with an attitude of, Lord, I don't know, but I worship you. I don't know, but I'm going to give you praise. I don't know, but I'm going to bring the sacrifice of worship and praise. You see, don't forget there was an entire crowd of people gathered around and every single one of those people wanted something from Jesus. Don't tell me they were the only two sick people in that crowd. People wanted this and people wanted that. People wanted bread. People wanted something to drink. Everybody wanted something from Jesus. But it was the woman with the issue of blood and a humble ruler of the 
synagogue who came before Jesus with an attitude of surrender and worship and said, I am going to worship you, Jesus, because I need something from you that nobody else can give. They came with a worshipful attitude. What happens when we worship Jesus? We place him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords in our life. We make him the ruler of our kingdom. We make him the ruler of our life. And let me tell you, there's something powerful in this. Because when you make him king of kings and lord of lords, you are taking him and putting him into a position of authority in your life. And then he is able to act. Because he has the key to your heart and the key to your life. But while we sit back and we get all proud and righteous and we say, no, I don't need you, God. I got my life figured out. But when we come to God, I worship you, God. He can step in and go, okay, here we go. I'm going to work. I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to bring your family to me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that He knows what we need. We can trust Him. Hear me today, church. You can trust Jesus Christ. I have been living for Him since I was 19 years old. He has never let me down once. He's never failed me. He's never let me go. He's always been there for me. You can trust Him this morning. Why doesn't someone praise the Lord right now? It's the one who realizes they need Jesus. They're the ones that will get what they need from God. You see, the other thing is that we need to understand that Jesus has power over every situation. He has power over every. See, someone just needs to believe that right now. Jesus has power over every... There's been people here who have been praying for things for a long time. And you haven't got an answer yet. Can I tell you, He's still powerful. He's still available. He's still got the answer. He still wants to help you. He's still on His throne. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. Praise you, Jesus. He has power over every situation. Well, Pastor Gratian, how do you know that? Look at this. The woman with the issue of blood, according to the Mosaic law in Leviticus chapter 15. I'm not going to turn there. But touching anybody, anybody, if she laid a finger on anybody or on anybody's clothes, they were unclean. No access to God. No access to God. And so the significance this morning of a woman who everything she touches becomes unclean, going to the master and touching him. Oh, let me tell you, church, if you, there's something about coming to the lawgiver rather than the Lord. You see, let me tell you, church, this morning, it doesn't matter how unclean you are. It doesn't matter how bad things you think you are in your life. Even Jarius' daughter, the law said, if you touch a dead person, you're unclean. The Bible tells us what Jesus does is he grabs her hand and pulls her up, touching the unclean, 
touching that which was not allowed to be touched. It doesn't matter how unclean you are. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone. It doesn't matter how far you think you've fallen. Mankind might judge you. Your family might judge you. Your community might judge you. But my Bible tells me we have an advocate with the Father, an intercessor, a defense attorney. He is the one who is above the Lord because He created the Lord. And when He put Himself on that cross, He took care of every unclean thing, every sin that could ever be committed. Jesus said, I'm going to pay the price. He is a God who was willing to be touched by the unclean. He took our sins upon Him at Calvary, freeing us from the power of the Lord. We have access to the grace of God through the power of Jesus Christ. Yes, we might be unclean, but Jesus can make us clean. Yes, we might be unholy, but Jesus can make me holy. Yes, we might be unrighteous, but God can make us righteous. Yes, we might be broken, but Jesus can make us whole. For even when the whole world is against us and our sins rise up and condemn us, Jesus is still there saying, this is not beyond my power to forgive. This is not beyond my ability and my strength to deliver you. We serve a great God. Why doesn't someone shout unto the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a Savior who is willing to defile Himself to make us clean. Look at the story of Calvary. Look at the book of Romans. Turn there this morning. Romans chapter 5. Look at this. This is cool. Romans chapter 5. Verse 6 says that while we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus didn't wait till we had it all figured out. Jesus didn't wait till we'd followed the seven steps to success or the three steps to be righteous or the 14 steps to enlightenment. No, he said, you're ungodly, you're unrighteous, you're unholy, you're unclean, but I'm still going to take your place on the cross of Calvary. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, verse 7, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Don't tell me you're not good enough for Jesus. I meet so many people in this, in this city that I, and, and, and so many of them tell me, oh, pastor, I can't come to church. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know how I've failed God. You don't know how I've let him down. And you know what? You're right. I don't know how much you've failed God. I don't know how much you've disappointed him. I don't know how much you've let him down. But I can look at my life and I know that I've let God down terribly sometimes. And I've failed him. And I've made mistakes and I've fallen flat on my face and every time I get down to the altar God's presence begins to wash over me and says it's okay I'm here for you I can forgive you I can restore you I can make you clean we serve a great God church don't tell me you're not good enough for Jesus don't tell me you're too far gone don't tell me Jesus can't reach you because there is no situation beyond His power the woman with the issue of blood had spent all that she had had on the doctors and was nothing better. 
The rest of the story with Jairus is as they walked towards, you know, Jesus got distracted. I just want to imagine what Jairus was thinking here for a second. You know, he's, he's like, my daughter is dying, Jesus. Please come. And Jesus gets distracted by this woman with the issue of blood. He's like, you know, I mean, who touched me? And, and, you know, the disciples are like, well, what do you mean who touched you? You know, we're in a crowd. Everyone's wanting a piece of you. So who touched you? And what are you talking about, Jesus? And you can almost imagine the whole time Jairus like, come on, come on, come on. And eventually, as they're walking towards Jairus' house, the Bible tells us that someone from Jairus' house came and said, I'm sorry, your daughter's dead. Don't even bother Jesus anymore. I don't think Jesus is going to be able to help here. I don't think Jesus has an answer for death. I think this is a little bit beyond his ability. And so Jesus was dealing with a woman who had spent everything she'd had on doctors and a man whose daughter had just died. The mourners in Mark chapter 5, it says they laughed Jesus to scorn because he said, yeah, they're just asleep. She's just asleep. They mistakenly thought that death was beyond the power of Jesus. Let me tell you, church, the power of Jesus is absolute and final. Jesus wrote and he said, or he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I don't know if we realize the context of that and how powerful that is. Here's Jesus saying, I've just stepped out of a grave after the third day. Death tried to hold me. It couldn't keep me in. They put a rock over my tomb. They put guards on the front. No wonder he's saying all power on heaven and earth is given to me. Not even death can hold him down. That's why Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, when he was saying to Peter, said, who, who, do you say, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That word Hades there, you know what that means? That means death. That means the home of the departed death. What is Jesus saying? My church is going to be so victorious. It doesn't matter even if death comes and takes us. We are still going to be victorious. We are still going to be triumphant. We are still going to be the victorious ones because Jesus' power is absolute and it is final. When the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, the Bible says that virtue flowed out of him. And the Greek word, this will blow your mind, the Greek word that is there as virtue is dunamis. It's the root word that we get dynamite from. It is the same root word that is used in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when Jesus says, but you shall receive dunamis. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Miraculous, life-changing power was delivered when this woman touched the hem of his garment. And it was because she approached Jesus with faith, knowing that she desperately needed Him. I wonder if we could all stand this morning. We're getting ready to finish up. I want to go to the Lord in prayer.
Because the first thing we need to understand is that if we want to receive what we need from God, we have to come with an attitude of worship. Too often we come down the front here and we're like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. If we could just come to God and say, Jesus, I worship you, Lord. I worship you. We've got to come with an attitude of worship. And we have to respond with faith to the Word of God. What was it about the hem of Jesus' garment that healed this woman? I don't know what ran through her mind. I don't know what made her say, you know what, if I can just touch just a piece, the hem, the little tiny bit, if I can just touch that, I know I'll be healed. She didn't have a list of people with history who came to her and said, well, you know what, I was really sick, and I touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and I was healed. Nobody came and told her that. She had no idea if it would work. But she felt something beating in her heart that said, if I can just do this, if I can just respond with faith, God is going to meet me. God is going to respond to me. God is going to heal me. It is a response of faith. And when we combine our response of faith, With an attitude of worship. That's the intersection. That's when the miraculous begins to happen in our lives. You know, we had a miracle already here this morning. Sister Susan, she called me up and said, pray for me, Pastor. I'm feeling terrible here. I'm all blocked up. I prayed for her. She told me 10 minutes later, it's gone. Right? That's a response of faith. That's saying, Pastor, come pray for me. We didn't have a time of prayer this morning afterwards, but she got my attention. Said, I need something from God. Response of faith. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Have you ever wondered why it doesn't say He is a miracle worker? He is a Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the person who pays your bills. It just says He is. Why? Because it's drawing back to the Old Testament times when Moses was questioning God saying, who shall I say sent me? And God answered him and said, tell them that I am has sent you. What? I am everything you need, is what he is saying. I am every answer you could ever, to every question you could ever ask. I have the answer to every problem, the answer to every situation. I can heal any disease. I can raise up anything. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. The power of Jesus is available. He is everything that we need this morning. He exists, and that's enough for me. Why don't we just lift our hands right now? Let's just begin to talk to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I worship you, almighty God. I praise and I